0: We work with farmers to to tell their story, right? So at the end of the day, that is what I take pride in, is helping farmers tell their story.
1: And in this age of social media, telling your story is more important than ever. If not, someone will tell it for you. That's a message Eileen Jensen has for farmers. She is executive director of the New York Animal Agriculture Coalition and this week's guest on the Young Farmer podcast. I'm Chris Torres, thanks for listening. There are many young farmers trying to make their name on social media these days. Eileen's message, keep it positive and be proactive, not defensive. You never know who's listening to you or who's following your Facebook page. We also talked about Eileen's journey back to New York and the importance of traveling and getting experience outside her hometown and how it shaped her journey in agriculture. One quick note for PA listeners the state has just opened up the application window for the Beginning Farmer Tax Credit Program. Property owners can claim a credit equal to 5% of the sale price or a fair market value, whichever is lower of an asset sold to a beginning farmer, up to a maximum of $32,000. For rental agreements, the tax credit is equal to 10% of gross rental income for the first, second, and third years of the rental agreement, up to a maximum of $7,000 per year. For beginning farmers who participate, you must be certified um, that you have the experience or transferable skills needed to work in agriculture, have not received income from farming for longer than 10 years, and plan to farm in Pennsylvania providing the majority of the labor and management for the operation. We have a we have we're gonna have a link at the bottom of the webpage. Um, so at the bottom of the page for this episode so you can take a look at, at all the details and apply if you would like. And with that, here's our conversation with Eileen Jensen. So you know, before we go into into the meat and potatoes of, of what you do, can you just give me a little bit of a background?
0: Absolutely. So uh, my name is Eileen Jensen, and I grew up uh, on a family dairy farm in the Finger Lakes in New York State. So I grew up with, alongside my two sisters and my parents, and we went through the unfortunate situation of of selling our farm about 20 years ago, but that didn't stop me from falling in love with the agricultural world. So I have dedicated my life to that passion of giving back to the ag world.
1: Can you tell me a little bit about, about the dairy farm? Um, you know, how big was it?
0: Yeah, so my, my family dairy farm, we had about 300 three um, hundred milking cows uh, until we ended up a partnership with, with the that we had between my dad and another family and went down to about 100 to 125 milking. So that's the five of us, uh, true True family farm with the five of us doing doing all the work. No no additional employees until we we sold our farm in the the late nineties.
1: What was it like growing up on the dairy?
0: I, I I loved growing up on the dairy farm. Uh, my my passion was actually pigs. So I I had some 4-H projects and FFA projects on the side that were uh, all related to the the swine industry. I I tried to break the mold and always wanted to try to. Blaze my own path, if you will, in agriculture. So, um, my dad, my dad got me into pigs while I was on the dairy farm as well. But growing up on the dairy farm really instilled a passion in me for hard work, uh, working alongside people that have an incredible work ethic, that are resilient, and that that have a passion for what they do day in and day
1: out. Yeah, pigs are fun, pigs are fun, aren't they?
0: Oh, I love pigs. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So do you have pigs yourself right now?
0: I don't have any animals myself. Uh, we, My two sisters and I joke that we've left all of our leftover 4-H and FFA projects at my parents' place, so we have some sheep and goats and beef cows and chickens all at my parents' place, so it's kind of their their extended hobby these days in retirement.
1: Uh, I gotcha. And how old are your parents?
0: Uh, they are in their 60s and 70s. Oh, Okay. So enjoying enjoying retirement, but still uh, involved in agriculture, um, you know, in some way, shape, or form here in our small town.
1: After after schooling, and you know, after the dairy farm was sold, and then after you finished um, you finished schooling, uh, what was your goal after that, and and what did you end up doing?
0: So when I graduated, I, I have a funny story. I, uh, the The role I've taken to, or the the path I've taken to get to where I am today, has kind of been a roller coaster ride. Uh, I, I actually went to college to become a sports journalist. Uh, I wanted to be ultimately on the sidelines of the Super Bowl, <laughs> um, broadcasting for ESPN. Football I, fan. I thought I was going to to make it big as a sports broadcaster. You were a football journalist. fan. Huge football fan. So I wanted to broadcast when the Buffalo Bills play in the Super Bowl. So you know, and win the Super Bowl. That was that's my ultimate dream. And I quickly realized when I started my college career, headed down that path that I missed agriculture and I really missed the the people in farming and in agriculture. So I quickly changed my path and changed my direction and um and learned what ag education from a teacher's perspective was, and um communications and marketing and advertising and and all of those forms of educating others and telling people's stories. And so after college, I became a high school agriculture teacher for a very short period of time before I decided to change paths again a little bit. And I pursued a lot of opportunities outside of New York State. Um, My challenge when I was teaching high school Agriculture was. I was telling my students to go get experience and go get work experience when I, I didn't have that myself. So I, uh, I got an opportunity to travel the country and I was working for, uh, Monsanto, based out of St. Louis, Missouri, as a brand ambassador. So I was traveling the country in a big rig that expanded into a science lab, and I was talking about science and agriculture and technology and agriculture. So an amazing opportunity that opened some doors for me in marketing and communications all over the country.
1: Wow. How did you get that gig?
0: Um, I actually found that gig on Facebook. So I was part of a a group uh, on Facebook that provided a lot of opportunities, uh, internship opportunities and opportunities for people that uh, weren't afraid to step out of their comfort zone and take on new challenges. And so for me, that was getting out of my shell and getting out of my box of my home county and learning from other people. So I got on a one-way plane ticket to St. Louis, Missouri to take this opportunity, and I traveled the country with three other people. They were my teammates, and the four of us, uh, I traveled for a year uh, all over over rural America and the country.
1: You know, you and I have something in common in that I also had a dream of becoming a sportscaster myself. Oh, yeah? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I um, I grew up outside, um, I grew up and I still live about an hour and a half outside of Philadelphia, so I had okay. a dream of becoming the next great Phillies broadcaster. I'm a, I'm a big baseball fan, big Huge football baseball. fan as well, but yep. um, yes, but I'd, I wanted to be, that was my dream, I wanted to become a sports broadcaster, if not become a sports writer, and yes, uh, yes but I, I found very quickly that the people that are in those jobs... Do not want to leave those jobs that's a very, very hard <laughs> profession to get into
0: absolutely and when i lived when i when I moved to St. Louis after I traveled the country for a year i I um took on an opportunity that that allowed me to move to st. Louis full time and so I lived there and my office was i worked for Osborne and bar um, in in downtown st Louis and my office was two blocks from the St. Louis Cardinals Stadium, so I was able to uh, fall in love with baseball and continue to work for an agriculturally based um, advertising agency. So I kind of all my my loves kind of came together in, in one opportunity there in the Midwest.
1: And at that time, the Rams were probably still playing in St. Louis. Am I correct?
0: They were. I became a Rams uh, season ticket holder. I don't know, you know, if I <laughs> if I want to broadcast that too loudly, but uh, <laughs> can say that I was an NFL season ticket holder with some friends. Um, so it was a really really great time to to be in, in St. Louis and and love sports and, and agriculture as well.
1: Oh, that's awesome! So so tell me a little bit. You know, so so you have this experience with Monsanto and. Uh, Tell me about how that experience, you know, tell me about it, you know, what you learned from it, what you took away from it.
0: So my year on the road with Monsanto um, as a brand ambassador, I had the opportunity to meet so many people and to learn about facets of of the agriculture industry that are not prevalent here in New York. And those are the two biggest things that uh, I still look back on my time and I'm so thankful for that opportunity is because of the the people, not only that I worked with every day, the, the three other teammates and the, the employees that we worked with at our different events, but the farmers and our visitors to our exhibits, uh, they they provided perspective that that I wasn't going to be able to get here in my hometown if I had stayed here. And then the other thing is just how big, learning how big the agriculture industry is. So we were at an event in a sesame field in Texas and, you know, cotton fields in the South. And those are experiences that I just, you just don't get in the Northeast. Sure. So having that opportunity to learn about agriculture, um, even, even dairy, uh, you know, that that, that is, that, that's my bread and butter, but learning about it on a different scale in Wisconsin and learning about it from other farmers in different areas of the country Truly allowed me to open my eyes and and open, broaden my perspective for me to eventually come back home, and help the farmers out here in New York.
1: Is there one experience from that year that you can that you can sort of hang your hat on and and, and say to yourself, um, wow, that that that's something that I will never forget.
0: So my all time favorite event was in Mankato, Minnesota. Uh, it was an incredible event because. Of those two reasons I just mentioned, because of the people and the location, uh, we, we were working with some amazing Monsanto employees at the time, uh, local local sales reps and, and seed dealers that, that had spearheaded this event that we were at in this dealer meeting. So we were meeting farmers that um, you know from that local area, but they were just so gracious and so open and understanding of, of our, what I call my ignorance of, of not knowing all about agriculture in, in that area. I'd never, I don't think I'd ever been to Minnesota at that point in my life. So Mankato, Minnesota really stood out to me um, as far as an event because the people in agriculture and in that local area were just so gracious and, and so um, open to, to teach us something about the industry uh, you know we we had a lot of different opportunities that um, you know were challenging throughout the year as well. Tra- uh, traveling all over the country. We had t- uh, you know a semi truck and then two other vehicles with us that that we drove all over the country. Um, you know, hitting a blizzard in Minot, North Dakota in January. That sounds like fun. <laughs> um, you know that you have to overcome. We also set up our, our exhibits uh, on the USDA parking lot in downtown Washington, D.C. So driving, I was not driving, I was riding in the semi down Independence Avenue in D.C. So just some experiences that I'll never forget um, that, that really agriculture allowed me to have.
1: So after Monsanto, what, what did you do after Monsanto?
0: So after living in a Holiday Inn for a year, I really decided that I wanted to settle down, and I, I at that point I'd really fallen in love with with advertising, marketing, and communications. And in my mind, I looked at that as a different form of education. So after college, I really wanted to be that that high school teacher and that agriculture teacher. So. I decided at this point I was going to apply for some some jobs in advertising and in marketing. So I moved to St. Louis, Missouri, and worked for uh, Osborne Bar Communications. And I worked there for about four to five years on a couple of different clients and, and uh, programs. And so the program that I helped start, uh, the reason they hired me at Osborne Bar was to start their America's Farmers program. Mm-hmm. So some folks have heard of the America's farmers grow communities program where Monsanto Monsanto fund at the time provided $2,500 um, checks back to local communities in, in the form of nonprofit donations in, um, in the name of farmers. So those were the programs that I started and that I worked on for quite a few years at, at Osborne and Barb. And I also worked on uh, some programs of Merck animal health and the United Swimming board uh, during my my time in uh, in St. Louis. So, an incredible opportunity. Again, the the people that I met, the clients that I worked with, uh, you know, those doors were opened because of kind of taking a leap of faith and and uh, taking on new challenges.
1: Yeah, that America's Farmers program is a great program.
0: It is, and I think that the best part for me is seeing that it's still going.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, you
0: know, so that was 10 years ago when it started, and 10 years ago when I first started that program in, in St. Louis. And to see the impact that it's made over the past 10 years and to see the people's lives that it has changed just in the form of one check, um, you know, to to a rural town can truly make a difference.
1: And there's been some recipients here in the Northeast, am I correct?
0: There have. So my my favorite moment when I worked on that program was one of my teammates uh, came to my desk in my office and said, hey, I just spoke with a farmer he has the last name as you, same last name as you, and he chose, you know, this 4-H group. Well, that 4-H group, uh, the, the farmer's not related, but he's a neighbor from where I grew up. And he chose my mom's 4-H county to receive the the funding. So
1: wow.
0: here I was a thousand miles away working on this national program, and it was impacting people in my own life that you know back home. So that's that's I think that was kind of a, a turning point for me realizing the impact that you can have no matter where you are in the country.
1: That's absolutely fantastic. So after your time at Osborne and Bar, where did you go after <laughs> that?
0: So after Osborne and Barr, um, I went to a different advertising agency uh, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So up until this point in my life, I'd really focused on crops and, crops and cows, I guess you could say, and so what was missing was that challenge of, of tractors and high horsepower equipment. Uh, so I my client was Case IH Equipment. Um, so I was based in Milwaukee, Wisconsin at uh, Bader Rudder. Uh, amazing opportunity to be able to really step out of my comfort zone and learn from some incredible clients that I worked for there. And an amazing opportunity to help them launch a piece of equipment. So this was... Uh, five years ago, and the, the company, so Case IH was just getting ready to launch their uh, new early riser planter. Sure. And so I was on the the team at the the agency to put together their marketing plan and to help them launch this new piece of equipment. So it was a pretty awesome opportunity to 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 be on that team, but then also to attend National Farm Machinery Show. Uh, you know, to see your clients take off the the curtain over this piece of equipment and then to look out in the audience and you see farmers from your hometown Sure, back in New York. So again, it's that opportunity that I'm working on these national programs at the time and they're impacting the farmers that I grew up with. So amazing opportunity, again, to just step out of your comfort zone and, and you'll, you never know what, what life will bring your way.
1: Yeah. That, you know, that's really interesting because of course we run the Farm Progress Show. Um, yeah. I'm sure you've been to Farm Progress Show. and
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Give me some insight into what that's like, what what that's like actually, you know, doing that, um, working with a client, you know, a brief insight into working with the client and, and, and getting that ready to be rolled out.
0: So for that particular, for the particular project of, of rolling out a piece of equipment, it is, it is a lot of, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of um, open dialogue, communication between engineers and the communications team and the marketing team and the design team to determine to determine a couple of things the first thing is how does this piece of equipment work so for someone like me that is not familiar at the time with corn planters or equipment for me it was really starting from the ground up and learning the basics and learning how does how does the corn planter work and then putting that into terms that Farmers understand, put it into terms that make them want to purchase this product, um, but at the same time, determining what are those avenues of sale. So are we going to make this digital? Are we going to make this print? Are we going to make TV ads? Um, so bringing all of those elements together can be a really big challenge. But I will say the advantage we had is the folks at the Case IH team um, that, that worked at Case IH, were amazing. This was not new for them to launch a new piece of equipment or, you know, provide upgrades to a piece of equipment. So, uh, they kind of knew what they wanted, but for me it was a challenge because I didn't know high horsepower equipment at the time.
1: Even I, you know, even I coming from the East coast, I mean, even I, um, I I would like to think that I have some knowledge of it, but I'm always learning something every single day and I'll be the first to tell you, I'll be the first to tell you that I'm much more comfortable, um, giving off those assignments to people, to some of my colleagues, because they work with a lot of that high horsepower (laughs) stuff much more often than I do.
0: Yeah, if you ask me to drive a tractor, I will pass the buck any day and every day. Um, But if I can stand next to it and learn and, you know, you point out how things work and why things work the way they do, I will listen all day long. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Let me tell you something, though. Being behind, and I have been behind the wheel of a tractor. It is fun. It is fun.
0: <laughs> it is
1: fun. Um, so then, after Beta Rudder, what? Where did you? Where did you go after Beta Rudder?
0: Yeah. So four years ago, actually, actually four years ago today, I moved home to New York, and uh, I had an opportunity. Again, it's all about opportunities in my life, and, and really embracing those opportunities. Um, it was four years ago that an opportunity presented itself to work for the New York Animal Agriculture Coalition in New York State, uh, which is a non-for-profit organization that works mainly with dairy farmers, but but all of animal agriculture throughout the state. And uh, they were expanding their staff from a staff of one to adding a new position for the director of promotion and outreach. And I said, you know what, all roads eventually lead back home. And maybe this is my opportunity to to see if it's the right path for me. And so I applied and four years ago today, uh, my dad and I arrived back home in New York from him coming out to Wisconsin to pick me up and and bring me back home. So I've been with, with NIAC, with the Animal Ag Coalition uh, for four years now and have worked uh, as the director of promotion and outreach and then Last fall, I was promoted to be their executive director. So I've absolutely loved this opportunity. And the main reason is because after six years, seven years of being away, it was my chance to come home and work for the farmers that I worked for growing up and that I looked up to all those years growing up in the agriculture industry. So I have truly, truly loved my job for four years.
1: Sure. Now, now, now is this is the coalition funded by checkoff dollars? I mean, how who, who funds the coalition?
0: Yeah. So, so the coalition is. Um, we are a an organization of organizations. So we have a board of directors as a nonprofit organization. We have a board of directors that is made up of six organizations, and so those six organizations pay a membership fee uh, each year. To have a seat at the table and those organizations provide a staff member as well as a farmer representative so those are the 12 members of the board of directors plus we have an at-large person and an advisory role so we have 14 voting members and then an ex-officio as well as myself Um, so our funding to kind of keep the lights on if you will our operating expenses come from those six membership fees That they each pay every year our project budgets and our project funds are a little different so if we have a project that we want to implement we have to find those money those dollars so last year and this year we are utilizing dairy checkoff dollars so we uh we came up with a proposal and we uh presented that proposal to the dairy checkoff board the dairy promotion order board here in new york state and was awarded funding. So we, we do have some projects that are funded that way. Other projects are funded uh, through sponsorships, through grants, and, and such opportunities that, that we seek out uh, that are available within the agriculture industry.
1: Give me a couple of examples of, of the work that the, that the uh, coalition does.
0: So, so the New York Animal Ag Coalition, our biggest flagship program is the Dairy Cow Birthing Center at the Great New York State Fair. And this started eight years ago with our former executive director had an amazing idea that she wanted to implement. And the board of directors said, absolutely, let's make this happen and let's go for it. So we'll be celebrating our eighth year uh, later this summer. And the birthing center has, has a goal of being transparent. So we bring in 300,000 people, walk through our tent and our exhibit at the state fair, where we have 36 calves born, we call them our utter miracles. And those calves are born each and every day of the state fair. And that's really the, the carrot to get people excited and get them into our tent. But the purpose to get them in there is to then talk with farmers. So the best part of our exhibit is we have farmer and industry volunteers that are there all day every day through the duration of the fair, talking one on one with consumers and with visitors and customers of of dairy products to be open and honest and transparent. So not only are they seeing the miracle of life and and the birth of a baby calf and get so excited about that, but they get to ask their questions to a real dairy farmer. So we are excited to continue to bring that opportunity and that experience to the folks at the state fair uh, that visit the state fair each year. So that is our biggest flagship program and that is run on, on, sponsorship dollars on grants that we write um on some checkoff funds there as well so dairy farmers are truly the ones that make that exhibit come to life every year you know, that just, so that's our biggest flagship program that we do each year
1: there's a similar program that they actually do at the Pennsylvania Farm Show um and uh, you probably heard of it it's it's sort of a yeah the
0: the calving corner the
1: calving right? corner yeah yeah it's a yeah. it's a very similar program they do at the Pennsylvania Farm Show and, and it's a huge hit it's a huge hit, and yeah. if you go to the farm show and you see that, a lot of people go to it.
0: Yeah, the, the birthing center <laughs> at our state fair has been, um, you know, it has been one of the number one attractions since its inception eight years ago. So we, we take pride in that, that people continue to come back day after day each year and year after year, and we we're still continuing to see – new faces and people, you know, we'll, we'll survey our visitors as it's the first time you've been here. And we're still continuing to see a very large amount of people that have never been there. Mm -hmm. So people are visiting us for education over entertainment. And we really take pride in that because that is really our mission as an organization is to help folks understand and appreciate animal agriculture in New York state. And they're doing that through these one-on-one conversations and, and being transparent as an industry.
1: So beyond, beyond that, you know, to what extent do you actually get involved in ad in add <laughs> advocacy for the yeah. dairy industry and for the other um, animal industries in New York state?
0: So beyond the birthing center, we are, we are available and implementing projects all year long. So we are helping farmers be more, active and more transparent and communicate more in their local communities. So we provide assistance in a lot of different forms by helping with farm tours. Um, We have worked on developing uh, what we call twilight tours in the past. And these twilight tours are very segmented uh, or very, um, very specific farm tours. So we have an invite. It's an invite only. We work with a farmer to invite the local decision makers. So this is not an open house. This is not a come pet these animals and learn where your milk comes from, but it's a very specific group of people. So we are inviting uh, school boards and planning boards and town boards and local officials to help them understand the importance that dairy has in that local community. So we're working with farmers on, on implementing those throughout the year. We work with individual farms to provide communication to their neighbors uh, you know, it's kind of a back to the basics pro- project in providing newsletters into mailboxes for all your neighbors. There might be a thousand neighbors and none of them know who you are. They know where you are and they know what you do, but they don't know why you're spreading manure in the springtime or right. why there's all this tractors on the fields or, you know, in, in the, the fields in the, in the fall. So we help farms communicate with their neighbors and what do they say? Uh, we also provide assistance if, if, and when a crisis occurs. So what we're dealing with right now as an industry, we're helping to provide insights and educational moments to help folks understand what dairy farmers are going through, what agriculture is going through right. um, by being honest, by, by talking about those tough subjects, like milk disposal, like supply chain challenges, um, you know, we we will be open and honest and and provide that insight to sure. what's happening in our industry right now.
1: Sure. So, and, and and what are people asking you about right now?
0: So so there's there's two there's two hot topics right now in New York State uh, when it comes to agriculture. One hot topic is milk disposal. Um, folks folks are are seeing a lot on the news and on the media and social media of. Farmers disposing milk, but then they go to the grocery store and they might be limited or they, they might see some empty shelves. So our hope is to provide information, but then also provide farmers. So help, um, you know, help a farmer be able to tell that from a farm perspective. Right. Sure. So. So, you know, folks don't want to hear from an organization. They want to hear about this information directly from a farmer. So that's one hot topic we're we're working on and and you know continuously working on day in and day out right now is talking about that. The other is labor uh, in New york state. so we we have some tough challenges ahead uh, when it comes to labor and Labor shortages and just labor in general, labor costs on dairy farms and, and in agriculture, not just dairy, in New York State. Um, and and right now we're we're talking about just how we're caring for all of our labor. This is domestic and foreign labor, and what we're doing on our farms to keep our our teams safe and how do how do we keep our employees safe. So right. they're tough subjects, but we have to talk about them because that's. Um, that's where the questions are stemming from
1: right now. Beyond COVID-19, New York State has probably one of the strictest, well, I'm not going to say strict, but has one of the most, I guess you can say, um, yeah, I, I guess strictness is, is the right word. Um, you know, with the passing of a couple of uh, labor laws, I believe last year or the year before, um, mandatory overtime in this state now, mm-hmm. you know, it's a challenge. It's a challenge for farmers to um, it's, it's definitely a more challenging environment. Um, you know, I, I I talked about that with, on another podcast a few weeks ago on the Farm Progress podcast, we were talking about, you know, the unique challenges, um, in this state in terms of, uh, you know, the overtime rules and all that, um, you know, talk to me a little bit about, uh, you know, some of the education, some of the, the outreach that you've had to do in relation to that.
0: Yeah. So as a nonprofit organization, you know, there's, there's a fine line of, not being political and not taking a stance, but we also have uh, the responsibility to educate and to make folks aware of implications and, and what is actually happening, facts. So we work with farmers to, to tell their story, right? So at the end of the day, that is what I take pride in is helping farmers tell their story because if they don't, someone else is going to tell it for them. And, and that's what I really emphasize to the farmers that I work with throughout the state is they have to be open. They have to be honest. And the challenges we are facing with labor, as you said, with mandatory overtime, um, with a mandatory day of rest, uh, you know, after so many days of, of work, those are challenges that we're going to face even when COVID-19 is gone. And those are challenges we were facing January 1 uh, right. when, when these new laws went into effect this year. So we were up against, um, you know, up against these challenges the beginning of the year. And then you throw on top of that these health challenges that we're now facing as as a society, not just as an industry, but as a society. And, you know, you, you have to look at the bottom line and and, and cost of things and prices and you know that that's not going to change, even when this health health crisis is over, and and that's what I think is driving anxiety and fear and and frustration in our industry as well is um, is some of the challenges that we're up against. So so in my role, um, it's really important for me to encourage and motivate farmers to talk about what they're going through. It is so hard sometimes for farmers to. To do that, especially in a public light, um, you know, sometimes farmers become farmers because they don't want to deal with people. But in today's society and in this day and age, you're a farmer, you're also a people person. Sure. And, you know, so that's why I take pride in my role of, of being a motivator and helping helping farmers stand up for what they believe in and helping farmers find that voice.
1: Are they coming to you or are you going to them? I mean, are they coming to you and asking you, listen, listen how do I tell my story? How do I get the right information out to people? Or are you really going to them and saying, it looks like you have a really good story to tell. I want to help you tell it. Is it a combination of both? I mean, how does that how, how does that evolve?
0: So it's a combination of both. So, we, so NIAC has been around uh, for about over 15 years now, but it's really kind of taken off in the last decade. And that's because we've had full-time staff. So Right now, I am staff one, and uh, so it's it's also, you know, a very full-time job, but because we are continuing to get our name out there as an organization, that is driving more people to come proactively to us and say, hey, I need some help. Hey, I want to do this. I want to be involved in this, but we're also, I have a long list of farmers that if I have a media request or I know I want to do a project revolved around a certain topic, I know what farmers in the state that I can proactively reach out to on my own. Uh, So it's a combination of both of, of farmers coming to us and us going to farmers for for help.
1: Yeah. And it must be a challenge, you know, especially when you get into some of the, I guess when you get into some of those issues that, that are sort of um, sensitive um, especially issues relating to, animal welfare and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that th- those are sensitive topics that not many farmers are very comfortable in, in talking about. Some are, some are not. Um, so how do you, you know, h- how do you cross that bridge with the farmer? Um, especially, and I see this happen quite a bit. You know, I'll see this happen when a video happens to come out, you know, Humane Society or whoever, an Animal Rights Group or, or whatever puts out a video. And then immediately it seems like, you know, the local TV station or the local newspaper is going to call up and try to talk to a farmer and say, you know, um, what do you think about this video or, or whatever? Um, you know, um, how, how describe, you know, how, how do you make a farmer comfortable enough to be able to talk about those issues? Because, you know, in this day and age where you can you can essentially get a smartphone out, take a video, put it up within <laughs> a matter of minutes – and, you know, I mean, you have to have the ag community has to be ready for that to respond to that. Um, so, my goodness, that, that's a challenging job you have.
0: It, it is a challenge. And, and I am so grateful to have an army of advocates, positive advocates in agriculture that I work alongside here in New York State. And part of that is the organizations that are on the board of directors that I work with. So, as I said each organization provides a farmer representative. So there's six farmers that I know I can call up any time of the day and say, you know, I need a farmer to do X, Y, Z, and they're going to be there because they believe in NIAC and they believe in the mission that, that we have. But I also believe in, in two other things that, that really make this successful. One is uh, is practice. You know, we really encourage farmers to to practice telling their story, practice with a small farm tour, um, you know, practice with volunteering at a local, uh, open farm days, practice on a smaller scale, talking about what you're doing before, you know, the New York times calls you, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you know, we would never put, I would never put a farmer in that position where they were uncomfortable talking about a subject or a topic matter. Uh, the other thing that I really encourage farmers to talk about is talk in a, in the, in a proactive manner and in a positive manner. So, you know, in, in your example of, you know, a video coming out, I would, I would talk with a farmer and, and I would do the same thing is I'd talk about my own experience. So if a, if a negative story or a negative video were to come out, I wouldn't react to that. I would just say, you know, on my farm, this is how we do things. And this is what, you know, I'm familiar with. So I really encourage farmers to talk about what they know, because these farmers know how to farm, they know how to care for their cows and their employees and the environment and the land. So I really, I really encourage farmers to just talk about what you know, don't talk about what's happened, or, um, you know, but but talk about what you know, and talk about the impact that things might be having, whether it be positive or negative, but you know, put some emotion and some passion in into to what you know, and you'll be amazed at the difference that you can make.
1: Sure. So, so does social media become a, um, I guess you can say, um, a useful tool in that sense? More useful tool in that sense?
0: It can absolutely be a useful tool. We we have some farmers that that really found their voice at the dairy cow birthing center. They they really didn't come out of their shell until and realize that they have a voice and that they can share that voice and their opinions and their stories until that that experience of volunteering and because of that they've started social media channels whether that be personal or or a farm page or a business page so it can absolutely be a tool um but i will say it can it it can have some negative repercussions as well right we have (laughs) yes yes We are living in an information age where we have information at our fingertips and that can be so tragic, but we have to just learn as an industry how to, how to use it to the best of our ability in a positive, proactive manner.
1: You know, your story is a great one. Um, the fact that you, that you grew up on a farm, you, uh, you know, the, the, you didn't leave the farm, I guess you could say the farm left, left your family, um, Mm -hmm. And then you go off the farm, and you go off to college, and and uh, you experience some things, and now you've come back home. Um, what is that old saying about coming back? I forgot what the old saying is about coming back home, but I guess everybody. Eventually... I always say
0: that all roads, all roads, eventually lead back home. That is correct.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You feel good about being back home?
0: I do. I am. I, I joke when I say this, but it's true that I really don't feel like I've been to work in four years because because I love my job and I love the people that I work with and it was truly the right decision for me. Um, and, and I think that, I think that farmers see that too in New York state. So, so when I'm able to help a farmer do something positive in their community and in their, um, you know, and in their towns and on their farm, that just emphasizes a little bit more each and every day, why I took this job four years ago and why I, why I love it and why I love the work that we do.
1: Do you find this, this do you find that this young generation of farmers, um, you know, and, and do you find that the younger generation of farmers is more open to, um, to being more active on social media, to being more active to tell them the story, all that sort of thing, using more of the tools that are available to them, um, you know, to, to, to tell farming's story. Yeah, I think
0: I think it's definitely a generational there's a generational gap between between generations on the farm, especially when you see more folks, you know, my generation starting to to take over farms and, and to, you know, to transfer that ownership. I think that each generation has faced its own challenges and what we're facing now, you know, as an industry Today, tomorrow, next month, next year is very different than what our parents and grandparents faced, and I think this generation is is embraced change and is okay with change more so than previous generations. My opinion there, um, and I think that that I hope that that's an advantage to this generation that that is you know the the young farmers of of the industry uh you know is to embrace change and to embrace those challenges and and they you know I, I hope that it allows them to come up on you know come out on top because of embracing the the change and, and challenges that we face.
1: So do you see yourself buying a farm?
0: Uh I personally don't because it's I It's expensive. <laughs> it, it's expensive, yeah. And I also I love being on the road. I love traveling to other people's farms. I, but so, so the time component there is, would be missing for me. Um, You know, so it would, it would be a challenge for me to, to have a home farm, but then also, you know, by myself, but then also be on the road, helping, helping all these other farmers. So I truly love the opportunity to, to, you know, call a farmer up and say, Hey, I'm in the neighborhood. I want to stop by and, chat and visit and you know i i've ridden in more buddy seats of farmers in the past four years which has been great to just get to know them and pick their brain and, and help them and have them help me learn along the way as well
1: do you have some words of wisdom for some of our young advocates out there i mean i, I see a lot of twitter handles instagram uh instagram pages handles whatever facebook pages um a lot of a lot of people a lot of uh, um young advocates I say advocates is a great word um, who are out there promoting the industry and trying to be positive and, and trying to be hip and all that and how about some words of wisdom? do you have some words of wisdom out there for for, for some of these people?
0: So I have two things. One is is be positive is to tell your story be positive um, you know you never know who's listening you never know who's reading uh, you never know who's gonna follow you or comment, But like I said, if you don't tell that story, someone else is going to tell it for you and you have no idea what they're going to say about you or about your business or farm or operation, Um, you know, so, so stand up for what you, what you believe in and stand up for the industry that, that you love so much. The other words of wisdom or I guess piece of advice is to be, is to, we're, to think about this as we're all in this together. Um, You know, you're seeing that more and more right now with what we're going through. But don't forget that. And and I say that because oftentimes in struggle and challenges, we we tend to say negative things or bash other components of the industry, or it's big farms versus small farms. And and we really we can't do that. So I guess that's my, my piece of advice is you have to embrace everybody and you have to embrace all aspects of agriculture because we truly are all in this together and it takes all of us in order to to make a successful industry um you know run every single day so i would say embrace embrace your story and stand up for what you believe in and, and the industry that you love and and then you know really live it up that that we are all in this together and promote all aspects of agriculture not just a piece of agriculture that you're so used to
1: Eileen, thank you for being on the podcast today.
0: Absolutely, I truly appreciate the, the time and the opportunity.
1: We have a link to the New York Animal Agriculture Coalition's website on the episode page. You can see the work that they do. And again, we have a link to the Beginning Farmer Tax Credit Program as well. If you're interested in finding out more about that program, it seems like something that uh, that many farmers uh, might benefit from here in Pennsylvania. Thanks again to Eileen Jensen. I'm Chris Torres. Thank you for listening to the American Agriculturist Young Farmer Podcast.